With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Your free Blue Room podcast is on the way shortly, but before we do get started, we'd just like to give you a little reminder that for those of you who want a little bit more from us, there is a lot more on offer. In 2019, there will be tons to come from our subscription service over on the Blue Room Extra. That's www.patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Every week, that service is bursting with content. It includes exclusive shows for subscribers, including our preview, upcoming matches with supporters and journalists, you know, Everton's opponents inside out. We also offer a European football show, an academy watch focusing on the toffees you've set up and the lads out on loan, as well as a weekly mailbag where we take your questions. It's three ninety nine a month to become part of our Patreon community. And it's a subscription you can stop whenever you'd like. Last year, in 2018, it worked out at around 13p a show. We do appreciate the constant support we receive from those of you who listen to our free audio. And there will be much more available than ever for free in the coming months here at the Blue Room. But for those of you who would like to hear from us a little bit more, it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Thanks for your patience with this message. Now here's your podcast. We are back on the Blue Room, it's Radio City Talk, and Everton are back this weekend, I'm sure you're all delighted with that. And Mickey, are you happy about that? Yes mate, it's it's what you do, it's, it's not worth <laughs> living is it without any footy, so uh, yeah. yeah, it's a long time off, uh, obviously I think there's a game as well, isn't there, a bit of FA Cup, which is, uh, we don't want to talk don't about Don't want to talk about that, no, don't want to talk about that, that. Um, um, you know, that, we found that one, <laughs> we never talk about again. it again. Uh, Patrick Rich making his debut on the show, uh, what did you get up to this weekend, Patrick, about the Toffees? Uh, well, I was working, but it's always nice to... Uh, not have to write about you know Everton losing or throwing <laughs> something away. Um, yeah, focus on the cricket and tennis is a, <laughs> is a nice distraction. So um, yeah, I, I was saying off air, I kind of fell out with them a bit last week. Mm. Just about on the mend, ready for uh, ready for Watford. By yourself, Paul, get up to anything nice. Yeah, Everton well, on your mind or just? Well, Everton's always on my mind, sadly. <laughs> but uh, no, I went across to watch Tramway against Man United on Sunday. So I enjoyed the whole experience and uh, actually went to see Tramway against Wofford on the Thursday, doing a bit of a spying mission yeah. there for us, you know. Super White <laughs> Army then, yeah. Super yeah. White <laughs> Army, yeah. Got a good atmosphere there, yeah. yeah. En- enjoyed the whole thing, yeah, yeah. And, you know, because we're not in the FA Cup, I had to choose somebody else to follow to keep me interested in the competition. So uh, Tramway was a good choice as any. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it is the Blue Room on Radio City talk. Coming up in the show uh, we'll be chatting about the Watford game of course um, in the final parts we're going to be having a talk about the fullbacks obviously seems to be 
a bit of a moving part of the team at the moment. Luca D not playing well. Leighton Baines out of contract. Seamus Coleman fought, fought about his form. Shadibi, are they going to sign him? John Joe Kenny, is he going to come back? Loads of questions there. Uh, like I said, we're going to be looking ahead to the game against Watford as well. In part two, I'm going to play some of the interview I did with Professor Christopher Brady, who co-wrote the Quiet Leadership book with Carlo Angelotti. Um, the full version of that is over on Patreon, slash the Blue Remix, if you want to hear that, but that's coming up in part two. But at the start, I thought we'd have a chat about Carlo Angelotti so far. Um, I'll, I'll come to you first, Paul. I mean... <laughs> What have you made of it? You know, I think sometimes when you come in, managers come in and there's talk of a new manager bounce. It doesn't really feel like we've got a bounce. It just feels like we've got a, a fellow who's just calmed everything down for us. Yeah, and I think there's some extent you could say the club needed things calming down a bit. You know, the club needs a bit of stability at the moment. And uh, I think like most Everton fans, I was delighted with the appointment of Ancelotti. Uh, I was also quite shocked as well because I didn't actually think, you know, we would be able to attract into the club. But obviously he's been... <clears throat> somehow enticed to join the Machiri project here. And uh, I think, you know, f- from from Everton's point of view, to have to have a point at Ancelotti, it, it's a real statement for the club. And, uh, you know, when players are considering what clubs to come to play for in the Premier League, if Marco Silva's trying to get you to sign for Everton, it's a hard sell. If Carlo Ancelotti is trying to get you on board and he's interested in you as a player, I think straight away you're interested. It, it, it's peak straight away. You, 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 you want to continue the conversations. Um, I, I was always wary of expecting an instant massive turnaround in our fortunes because it's still the same players. You know, you'd have, to, you'd have to be an absolute magician to get this team to perform to the standards of, of which we think they should be performing. But so far, so good. Apart from the derby game, I think for most of the games we've seen so far, uh, no, there's been signs of improvements. And I hate to go back to the Newcastle game, but for 90 minutes, that was the best football I've seen from Everson this season. Let's forget about injury time. Let's concentrate on the positive. Now, we're making progress. He's only lost one game in six. I think his points total is pretty close to Marco Silva's already. So let's hope for a good end to the season. And call me, call me a dreamer. I'm not the only one. Let, <laughs> you know, I, I still think we might just sneak that Europa League place. Yeah, I think... I'm- I mean, I agree as well. Uh, maybe not on the Europe, maybe not on the uh, European <laughs> point, but um, I am excited to have him. You know, he's a world class manager. Unfortunately, we've not got the world class squad to match. Um, but you know, it's um, Paul mentioned there, like about attracting players and the calibre of players that can be attracted with a name like Ancelotti. I think, in a way, we've got to treat it a bit of a cheat code. I'm all for building, you know, building and having patience with the process, and that is definitely needed. But at the same time, if we are going to bridge the gap to that top four or even, you know, hopefully higher in the future. We've got a chance now with a world-class manager to really attract some higher-level players. Um, Obviously, this window was always going to be difficult, but further down the line, that's definitely something we need to look at. And because we've got Ancelotti, we can do it. Um, Obviously, the Newcastle result is hard to forget about that minute. Um, or two minutes or whatever it was but as Paul said again for 90 minutes it was generally very good there were you know I think we haven't yet seen even a 45 minute performance from the team this season I wouldn't say like as as a whole but that came close to it the other night Um, you know and for five 10 minute periods in that game we we tore, tore Newcastle to shreds just before the second goal I think we had two or three chances I remember Bernard you know yeah. lobbed one over it's stuff like that that makes you see like already the impact he's having and then Calvert-Lewin's form as well on top of that I think even Richarlison obviously has been injured but we're seeing the impact he can have um, you know and if by the end of the season we get to that point where we're stringing those performances together not just for 10-20 minutes in a game but 45 minutes 50-60 minutes and hopefully by the end an entire 90 minute performance ideally in the derby at home that'd be nice um, you know that's that's where what, what the progress is that we want to see I think Mickey, if if someone from another club who doesn't watch Everton regularly sort of came up to us and said, or came up to me anyway and said, um, "What's Carlo Ancelotti done to make Everton better?" I'd struggle to pinpoint one particular thing. You know, the, the system's very much similar. You know, as Paul said, we're not brought in any new signings, but I think it just feels as though everything's just a lot cleaner and crisper, and everyone's a bit more clear in the thinking about what they do. And it just feels as though everyone's just chilled out a little bit and. The the pressure, the and you know maybe the meticulous details of someone like Marco Silva would give plays in terms of the pressure and the positioning. Mm-hmm. It's maybe like that's been stripped back a little bit, and and the, the, the flourishing with that freedom. Yeah, I just think I mean he's coming. I think it was more of a case of timing of getting him in. Now I think in an ideal world we probably wouldn't have got him until next year because this season's a write off, and I think 
his experience has counted for a lot. All he's come in and done is just put a little bit of gloss on Duncan Ferguson's work. He's kept the same team, pretty much kept the same format. Um, as I say, he's just come in and brought a couple of little ideas. But I, I wasn't expecting nothing this season, mate. It wasn't, you know, obviously the FA Cup game was was obviously a downer. And I fell out with them a little bit. I'm a bit like Patrick. I, had a, I binbagged them. I sent them away. No doubt we'll have a cuddle at some point in the future. And make a lot up. of binbagging this oh, season. Oh, mate, the yeah, yeah. I had that fell off to that derby. I'd fell out with them a lot. Uh, but as I say, no doubt we'll, uh, we'll kiss and make up at some point. Um, but yeah, it's just, as you say, it's just all about the time. But I thought, I think it was just important getting him in. I'm not expecting much this transfer window because, as you know, the market is totally inflated. Um, if there's anything, maybe at the odd loan here and there um, but for me it was just all about getting him there you know his name says it all doesn't it, it he's, he's massive throughout the world and his, his scouting network as well is what's going to be important for us it's going to be a worldwide network and uh, I'm excited for next year more than anything yeah, I agree with what Mickey and Patrick said there I think the foundations are being laid now hopefully in, the, in this half of the season I think during the summer, he will use that period to clear out some of the deadwood. You know, uh, Mitosa's been moved on, hasn't he? I don't know anybody else is going to be moved out before the transfer window closes, possibly. And uh, I think you know, with a summer training program behind them, with more of the players that he wants in the team, you know, one would like to think that next season is going to be better than this season. I mean, it's struggles to be any worse, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and going back to what Patrick was saying before, the first 90 minutes against Newcastle was a very, very impressive performance. There was mobility about the team, there was fluidity about the team, there were a number of shots on target, and... Newcastle are a very defensive team. They're not the easiest team to beat. They, they sit back, so to create that number of chances, I, I, I was quite pleased to see. And, and like you said, Mickey, I think he's just calmed the whole situation down. The club just feels a lot calmer, and you can just envisage the situation in the dressing room. When Carlo Ancelotti is telling Calvert-Lewin where he wants him to play, Calvert-Lewin is going to listen because the guy's young, he wants to learn. I think it got to the stage under Marco Silva where I think a number of the senior players and the younger players had just stopped listening to the advice they was given upon the manager, and that's not a situation any club wants to be in. Yeah, I think um, you raised the point there about you know senior players under Silva as well, and that would be my one worry going forward with this squad more than Ancelotti. It's not that, I'm not even say that they're going to ignore him, but it's that we've seen under now three or four managers with some of these players, they're incapable of following simple instructions. Um, and I mean, I don't want to pick out one player, but I'm going to do it. You know, Fabian Delft with that with that pass, it could that obviously led to Newcastle's free kick in the last game. Stuff like that really needs cutting out, and at least with Ancelotti, I have faith. I, ha- I do have faith that you know he's a manager of a calibre that is going to instantly recognise those mistakes mm. and weed them out. Um, my one worry, and the only thing that kind of for me, I wouldn't be critical of Ancelotti for it, but I have had maybe question marks. But I think it's because I we know this squad so well, and I'm not saying that I know it better than the manager. It's just we're used to what this squad can do and what Everton do to us. He's like. His subs in the Newcastle game, I think, were strange ones. We wouldn't have said it if it had worked out, let's face yeah. it. But in ha- it's not really even in hindsight. Like he He's a world-class manager, like I've said, and I, I would like to think that he knows that he doesn't need to throw Umane Ass on mm. to pointlessly run around and lose the ball for 10 minutes. And then I kind of, you know, you can forgive him. It's just that I want to see that... With the squad, and you mentioned the Deadwood like Tossin being shipped mm. out, and hopefully there'll be more if we mm. can. Can he, can he now focus on like using the youngsters, Anthony Gordon and things like that? Mm-hmm. The season's a write-off, really, but mm-hmm. there's still definitely hope for it. If we can you know, get something out of it, like like with the youngsters, and then if we can hopefully see the improvement in Tom Davis that we have in you know Dom- Dominic Calvert-Lewin since he came in, things like that. So that'd be my one kind of very minor quirk with it, is sometimes his subs and his changes, it seems like tweaking it for the sake of it. Yeah. It feels as though it's... No, I imagine he's still learning about this team, though, isn't he, Mickey? And you know, yeah. you know, the, the substitutions. I think you know, in hindsight, we, we can sit here and say, you know, Fabian Delph plays that ball back to Jordan Pickford, then he clears it away, and the referee blows his whistle. We're not, we're not even talking about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you could look at the Brighton game, and say maybe we're under pressure a little bit there. But I suppose he's still learning about whether Tom Davis can come on the left hand side and shut the game down for for, for ten minutes. He's learning if Umani can do anything at the top end of the pitch. I imagine he would have done after that. that but, but he's probably learning if Seamus Coleman can come on. At right back and Sadibi can push forward for, for 10 minutes this is this is all a part of having a new manager isn't it? It is and you know you would hope that to be fair you would hope that he's trialled and edited that in training as opposed to you know in a, in a live match situation uh, he's, he's, that seems to be the go-to doesn't it the Coleman one coming on you know sort of with 20 minutes to go to try and keep hold of a lead I suppose we've got no other right wingers though, we haven't made yeah, yeah exactly we're really you know, struggling with injuries the game, exactly yeah. 
yeah. Uh, the old man, he actually won. I mean, God bless him. I, you know, we all sort of give Ronald Koeman a hard time when he took his locker off him. There's a reason for that. Do you know what I mean? I think he's looked at him and gone, this, you know, this guy is not capable to be playing Premiership football, even Championship football to a certain extent. And when you look back, you know, someone scouted him, someone from our club scouted him and said, yeah, we'll have him. And, you know, just I just can't get over it. My mind just boggles, <laughs> doesn't it? Still, still there. It's still, it's still here. It's the eat. same person who called in the Russian player of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Martin has believed, yeah. Possibly. But listen, you know, he's got to be the scapegoat. It was the, the ball, it was like a, a touch of a murder, I want it, when he was sort of going mm. through and it just bounces off him as usual. Um, and as, as you were saying before, you know, that, that 90 minutes, we played well. They didn't want to know Newcastle. No, they no. came in, they didn't want to know. And you've got to remember, they come off a really good result That's against right. Chelsea, yeah. where they defended well and obviously stole it as well. So then, the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, it wasn't an easy game, as we were talking about. But yeah, it's um, for me, mate, it's all about, you know, next year and him putting a stamp on I think we'll see a completely different team from next year. I think as, as fans as well, Paul, there's, you know, and sort of taking the 93 minutes of that Newcastle game and not, not the extra one at the end, it's, I think when you get a new manager in, there's always, and you know, the manager does well and mm-hmm. the building, there's always that game where you think, you're sitting there on the ground and you think, this is what this is supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that game against Newcastle felt a, a little bit like we were getting towards that. You know, it was the, the two up front who, who worked really well together. You know, we had the Sadibi on one side, Luca Dean was linking up mm-hmm. with Bernard. Bernard's making these really good, good runs from, from out to in and finding loads of space. And it just looked like a team that were taking on board what the manager had been saying to them in the week and, and behind the scenes. Yeah, I agree with all that, Matt. Uh, I think we're all agreed as a panel here that, that that 90 minutes was probably the best they played under Ancelotti and arguably uh, this season. And the football was fluid, as you mentioned before. It was good to watch. There were good, good interchange between the players. Even the much to be line, Theo Walcott, I thought, had a half-decent game uh, against Newcastle as well, which I was delighted to see. I was also... Um, no, really pleased to see Moise Ken guess his first goal for the club as well. I mean, what a waste off his shoulders that that is, you know. And I think I won the privileged few who can say I saw Sandro's only goal for Everson, <laughs> and I also, I also saw Brett Angel's only goal for Everson, and that, that's some lustrous list for Moise Keane to be joining there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's breaks. Yeah. It's a good company, and but. I think, as you mentioned there, Patrick, you know, he's using, he's finding out about the players now. Yeah. You know who, who's up to standard, who's not. So, as you said, they're making likes of Umar and he asks, He's probably heard about him. He's probably read about him. Maybe in training, he, he he's brilliant. We don't know, and he he just has to give him the chance on the pitch. I'm sure he's you know, Umar has made up. Ancelotti's mind about his future not lying at Everton on the basis of that two-minute performance when he came on as a sub against Newcastle. Um, but yeah, the, the, there is progress, and I think you know, the, the um, you know Wofford away. You'd like to think you know we should be able to get something there. You know, even our, our record at Wofford in recent times isn't great. You know, then we got Crystal Palace at home, and uh, you just kind of think possibly you know we, if we just put a bit of a run together here, build the confidence, and what w- w- are quite. What, what, what I quite uh, liked in the Newcastle game was the crowd really got behind the team for 90 minutes and it was just so deflating when they <laughs> threw it away in the last 90 seconds well, like that. Most of them were there by the end. I know, yeah, I know, yeah. Got off, yeah, yeah. But everyone was saying goodbye, seeing this game, good win, wasn't it? You know, and off <laughs> yeah. they went, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, just just finally, before we, we go to the break, Patrick, um, last week of the transfer window, I have a few, only a few days of the transfer yeah. window left and um, everyone seems quite calm. It's unusual for us, isn't it, as a fan base? It is. I think... I don't know whether it's kind of composure or just kind of resignation. Not yeah. not in a kind of depressed way, just in the sense that it's we kind of accept where it is right now and that there is no real value um, in in rushing into anything like the links to Vicino Inter. Kind of everything's been coming from Italy. There's been nothing really over in the British press or any reliable journalist, Everton wise. Um, you know, it's maybe they are looking at midfielder like that. Personally, whenever I've watched him play, I think he's he's decent, but I'm not. I definitely wouldn't want us to be spending big money on him, bringing him in now. Let's put it that way, with what what the issues we have. So, um, hopefully, hopefully something comes up because I, I really do think we do need a even if it's on loan. I think a loan's probably ideal. Um, we either we need a midfielder, I'd say, because I think Holgate needs to stay in defence. Mm. But if a defender came in, then that would maybe allow us to have that versatility to put Holgate there. It would be nice to have something, but I don't think there's any need to panic about it. 
for once. I think with the fact that we've got players coming back as well, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. nice to see Andre Gomez back in full training. full training today. Yeah, exactly. Back in full training. Obviously, Obi won't be too far away. Gabama's not too far away. And I think that's what we're looking at. And obviously, as well, the amount of when you looked at the side of our squad and the wage bill that we've got, you know, it's we've just got to offload people before we can bring people in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you like to think like Snyder that his career ever will be finished this summer. I'm not convinced. He'll be here in five years. I'm not convinced Sigerson deserves his place in the squad next no. season. So I'm going to be, no, I'm sure I mean, Ancelotti, you know, uh, uh, you know, is not not afraid to make big decisions. I'm sure he'd be quite ruthless in the summer. And certain players who haven't done it for will, will just be on the way. Yeah, um, don't anticipate any signings in the last few days anyway, but we'll wait and see, of course. Uh, after the break, we'll hear from Professor Chris Brady. Uh, you are listening to The Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. Welcome back to part two of The Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. We'll chat to the lads again shortly, but as mentioned in the first part of the show, we are going to play a little bit of our interview with Professor Chris Brady, who was the co-author of that Quiet Leadership book, with Carlo Angelotti. As I mentioned earlier, the full version of this is over on patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. It's about a half an hour conversation between Chris and myself. Here's a segment of it, and I started off by asking Chris about Carlo Angelotti's style of leadership. He really concentrates on each individual. Um, inter- interestingly, when I interviewed a lot of the players who played for him, they would say that um, he would be very interested in individuals, but at certain stages when he wanted to get specific ideas over about the team and so on and so forth, he would then, um, I think he had a, a phrase, uh, John Terry said he had a phrase where he'd say, uh, now it's serious, and everybody thought, oh, hang on, okay, Carlo, he might, he's going to put mm. something strong across now, and, and everybody would concentrate, and then it would be blanket. But then, you know, within each individual, I, I you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time with him at Real Madrid and watched him dealing with the players there. And of course, you've got massive egos there. And, you know, you had Ronaldo, Bale, all of these players. And each one he would deal with separately and walk quietly aside. And I often thought while I was there, you know, because I, I did some coaching myself over, over the years, um, I often thought, well, if that had happened when I was coaching, I'd have had at least three fights by now. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and he would he would just deal with it in a totally different way. And you thought, ah, oh, well, actually, that's true. He, he uses a term which I, I think is quite nice. He uses a term called "who do you reference," which means sort of who do you benchmark. And there was a particular incident around Madrid that, that I saw happen, and the player got really upset and walked off because another player was doing something wrong. And Carlo just walked over to him and said to him, why do you reference the one bad player rather than the 20 other players who are behaving really well? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And the guy went, yeah, you're right. Sorry, boss. And goes back on. Uh, now, I would have I would have had a fight with him for walking off. <laughs> but, 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 but Carlo just walked off very quietly with him and said, and said that, you know, why do you reference that guy? You know, guys, you know, one of the players were mucking about a bit. Why do you reference that guy and not the other 20? Why don't you be with that 20 over there who are doing everything well? Guy goes, yeah, fine. Walks back and carries on. And it's, it's that's the approach. That's who he is. That's the guy that he is. And But as I say, but when it comes to getting over, you know, some system thing or some functional practice or something, he can be very specific and very precise. And um, uh, and and he deals with those two things in slightly separate ways. It's it's, it's interesting that, and sort of sort of listen to you speak about how he dealt with those situations. There, where do you think that that comes from with him? Is it sort of an inherent thing that he's just got? It's very natural, or do you get the sense that it's been cultivated through his years as a manager and, and as a footballer? That he's he sort of developed this instinct on how to deal with certain players in different ways. I think he's, lear- he's he's learned as he's gone along. I think his manner and his style is very much what he's always been. You know, he's born up, brought up on a farm, and um, you know, and there's a pattern to life, and you know, a cycle to the way things go on, and you just learn to live with it. But he has learned. Um, he was very in his in his early years of management. He was very strict about what pattern they were going to play and what type of players were needed to go into there. So he'd reject certain players. I mean, one of the one of the things he often says is he got the, the only the only regret he's got is that was, he, he actually rejected Baggio, um, Roberto Baggio, for his team because he didn't think he'd fit into the pattern. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, "Well, yeah, bloody hell, I'll take Baggio <laughs> and um, and I'll fit and I'll work around it." Which he did in later years, and that enabled him to do that when he when he got to Real Madrid, you know, because 
you know, he, he says that when he first arrived at Real Madrid, his idea in his mind when he was arriving there was to play Ronaldo up front, you know, centrally. And Ronaldo basically chatted with him and said, well, I, I play better coming in off the left. I can do so-and-so and so-and-so. And he's like, well, OK, well, in that case, I can move Benzema in there and he can be quite pivotal. And then I can move Bale out to the right. He can do the same thing on the right. And because it worked perfectly, you know. And um, and in fact, one of the one of the reasons they didn't win the league in the same year that they won the Champions League, didn't do that double, was that after winning 22 games in the, on the bounce, winning, by the way, not, mm. not winning 22 games on the bounce, Benzema got injured for about six or seven games. And they had a bit of a lull there because he wasn't pulling it together. Now, had he have played um, Ronaldo centrally, then Benzema probably wouldn't have got in the team and so on. So he's very, he very much deals with that. So he may be looking now, and, and I haven't spoken to him, so you're not getting any insight here, but he may be looking and going, well, actually, I, I might play two, two up front here because Richarlson, obviously, he's not, this is me saying this, by the way, hmm. Richarlson obviously sulks if he has to go out wide, so play him up front with Calvert-Lewin, and that's quite a, quite a potent um, strike force. Then I'll have to work of how I play the midfield from there and how I play the defensive line from there. But but it might well be that to get the best out of the best players I've got, I might have to slightly change the way I normally play it. So you know, he's very flexible in that way. Do you think that's been indicative in the way in which he's formulated his back, sorry his backroom staff as well down the years? Because if you look at all the clubs he's been to, there you mentioned there. Real Madrid, he, he had Zinedine Zidane there, obviously a, a club icon. He did similar at Chelsea, he did similar at Bayern Munich. Now you're looking at a situation at Everton where Duncan Ferguson is still at the football club. And and when that decision was being made, we sort of looked at this as, as being a potential problem for Carlo further down the line, where if things went going well, there'd be this looming spectre of, of Duncan behind him and a man who, who did the job and, and did the job well when he was in charge. But it feels as though he's, he's sort of embraced that uh, throughout certainly the latter years of his managerial career, whereas a lot of managers, you know, you look at people like Pep Guardiola and, and Jurgen Klopp, who were held in, in similar esteem, have just come in and, and swept the decks in regards to the coaching staff. Yeah, I think he, he he I think he learned that when he when he went to Chelsea, funny enough, because when when he went to Chelsea, um, the club there said actually you're not bringing in ten of your mates or anything like that, which they'd had a bit of before. You can come with maybe one or two people, but but that's it. Um, um, which was unusual, especially for Italians. They tend to trail people around with them. And um, when he got to Chelsea, actually they, they wouldn't put up with that. But then he found Paul Clement there, and he found Ray, uh, Ray Wilkins there, and it really worked well. And he often says, in fact, he said in the book, you know, that of all the systems, that's probably the best system where you keep the good people on and you, you add to it, you, you complement it. You don't just necessarily clear the decks. Now, as you said, you know, other other managers take 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 a different approach. But going back to where we started, you know, what's generic management principles? You don't see every CEO going into a new company and going, uh, I'll get rid of all these 27 sure. people. You know, it, it, it doesn't happen in other industries. And so in a sense, he proved that it doesn't necessarily have to happen in football. Um, you you know, you go to somewhere and say, well, actually, what's good here? What's good here? I'll keep that on. And what's not working quite well? OK, now I've got an opportunity to change that. And I think he saw that with Duncan straight away. L- luckily, being able to see Duncan for three or four games and saw, saw the influence that he'd had and the work that he'd done, which maybe being the type of play manager that Carlo is, he couldn't have done in mm. the first three or four games. So in a sense, Duncan sort of prepared the ground for him. So... Um, you know, so we would keep him on. Now, you know, whether or not they they, they work well together from now on will be um, a judge a judge of, of how the two people get on together. But um, of course, and the other thing is, he he his laid back manner sort of he's very confident and very confident in his own ability. So he wouldn't be phased by having somebody big around, you know, a big personality mm. around. That wouldn't that wouldn't worry him. Can the guy do the job or not? So if him and Duncan eventually fall out, um, obviously I've warned him about having a fight. With him, but, um, <laughs> if, him and Duncan, if him and Duncan fall out at some stage, you know, he won't have a problem getting rid of him, but he, equally he doesn't have a problem keeping him around, giving, you know, giving advice that's contrary to what Carla thinks. Carla, that's one of the great things I like. I do like about him personally, 
because he's prepared to listen to arguments and change changes change his mind if if he's convinced. There you go. Fascinating stuff there from Professor Brady. And just a reminder, if you want to listen to that interview in full, along with all the other content we've got over there on Blue Room Extra, including tons of previewing, head of the game against Watford at the weekend, looking back at the Newcastle game, focus on the academy, European football, all that sort of stuff. It's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. We'll catch you up with the lads again shortly. After this break, we'll be chatting fullbacks and looking ahead to the game against Watford. This is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. We are back with the final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. Just having a chat in the break there. Really interesting transfer link involving a former Everton player, wasn't there, Mickey? Anthony Robertson could be off to Looks like AC off Milan. To the, to the San Siro, yeah, to the glitty high from Wigan's way to Milan. <laughs> hey, who'd have thought it? Hey. Um, but yeah, man, you know, he, he looked like a decent player, a little bit of pace about him. Um, and it just goes to show, like, you know, with the young players going out sometimes it's better to let them go out on loan mm-hmm. uh, like we have done with John Joe Kenny and mm-hmm. sort of just or put a little cheeky little you know some kind of clause in that we get something out of it because I think uh, which, which we will I think it looks like we're going to get a percentage of it but yeah £10 million move to Milan from, yeah. from Wigan maybe yeah. this version of AC Milan not that much of an upgrade on Wigan though to be fair <laughs> no, from, what, from what I've seen they've been yeah. pretty dismal this season although um, I mean yeah it's a, it's, if he does go obviously it's a, it's a quantum leap isn't it from from Wigan to uh, to Milan, and I think he. I mean, Theo, Theo, um, Theo, Theo Hernandez has been Milan's best player this mm. season, defensively and going forward. Um, so yeah, I doubt he'd be, you know, being chucked into the starting eleven in time soon. But obviously, to have that, even just training with then the likes of Ibrahimovic and things like that, he's going to obviously improve him as a player. And, mm. and if Everton benefit out of it, then then all the better. Yeah, well, uh, definitely keep an eye on that one. Yeah. <laughs> it could, could be fascinating. Yeah. Um, but it, but, it, it, it does kind of raise a question, doesn't it, Matt? You know. I mean, do sometimes Everson make decisions a bit too prematurely about younger players and maybe they might be best just given another season out on loan before making the decision to sell them? Because obviously AC Milan have seen something in Anthony Robinson that maybe we should have seen. Well, and he's been on loan the last two seasons anyway. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, I, I don't know the situation around it, but I think he's probably 21 now, isn't yeah, he, around yeah, about that? Yeah. And, I suppose there you, you're getting towards that yeah, that yeah. age, aren't you? Where you, you want to be playing every week and you want your yeah, future yeah. settled. So I don't know if it was the lad driving it on. You know, we got a taste of international football he with was, the he plays for United States, yeah. didn't he, yeah, as well? Yeah, so yeah. perhaps it was him. He, yeah, suppose, we, we, don't, yeah, we don't know, know yeah. yeah. But yeah. we're going to have a chat about fullbacks now, where we'll start on the, on the left side of the fence, actually. Um, saw some interesting stats this week, Mickey, um, from Luca Dean's agent on, on Twitter, <laughs> funnily enough. And unsurprisingly, he was talking him up and saying how many assists he's got this season. <laughs> Obviously, got one. Um, against Newcastle with a nice little pass to, to Dominic Carvalhoon but I think it'd probably be fair to say that, that he's not at his at his best recently um, he's, he's had a bit of a tough tough campaign and you know we've had a lot of people messaging you know when we've been talking about Jordan Pickford and, and Sigurdsson and Schneidlin sort of saying well Luca Dean's getting away with it here so hmm. I have a chat about him now what, what have you made of his form this season? I think what he, he come in didn't he and he set the you know set the, the world up it was, he just lit up the whole stadium he did he, when he went to his sign when I thought we, what a coup he's going to be you know obviously from Barcelona to Everton and I don't think he's reached the heights has he of, of what he set himself really so I think he's probably made a bit of a rod for his own back how good he's been um, I still think he's been okay he has he's been okay but it's certainly a position that might need looking at uh, obviously with, with Leighton Baines coming to the end of his contract I personally on that I'd give Baines another year I thought he was brilliant in the cup game against Leicester I thought he'd come he, he was, obviously the rasp of the goal yeah. that he's good yeah. but yeah. just his, 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 his defending his experience his covering um, when he came on against his, United at Old Trafford yeah, you know, he exactly. took against Daniel James wasn't yeah, he thinking yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. really really yeah. well so yeah no, although it's coming to the end of his contract I would certainly I'd be giving him another 12 months you know certainly because yeah. and then I think Luca Dean will come into his own again as I say I think he's he's just probably it's it, it's his own fault for for starting so well for us you know in the first year I think I think as well we've got to remember that when Dean first came in obviously he did, he did play brilliantly but the kind of the best we saw of him was the back end of last season obviously when the whole team was playing well but more importantly he had Bernard there as well yeah and that link up we haven't really seen a link up like that since Baines and Pienaar not not that it's at that level yet I think there's still times and we've seen it a lot recently when Bernard's been fit again now that it's almost there and then it's just the last pass that goes yeah. and, and automatically as Everton fans we're thinking back to you know that six, six seven years ago when we had Baines and Pienaar doing that and that were like they never missed but um, I think we'd, the importance of Bernard there he, he's crucial to Dean because when you look at Dean when he's got, he isn't actually the quickest he's not like he, I don't think he, I wouldn't he gets forward, but I wouldn't describe him as a flying fullback in the sense that, like, when Sadibi gets going, he's like a bit like a freight train. You yeah. can't stop him. 
Dean is a bit more technical and he does kind of need that player to link up with and feed off. And I think with Bernard, obviously he kind of had a bit of a stinker against West Ham. Um, but with Bernard coming back into the side, we, can't, we are starting to see Dean getting at least offensively getting back to what he was last season. And then I think defensively now he probably needs to get to that level well as well. But, you know, he's, he's having to play every game because obviously Baines, and when Baines has come in, he's done well. I agree I agree with what you said there. But, um, you know, we, we don't want to be using that 35, 36-year-old Leighton Baines, do we? So Dean needs, does know he needs to play every game and I'm sure he's been playing for injuries as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's one of them. I'm not worried about him, apart from in the West Ham game when he got skinned by Robert Snodgrass a few times. And then I'm like... <laughs> but then, actually, when 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 in the second half, that didn't really happen as much because Gordon came on and pretty much doubled up. Um, so, you know, I think a fully fit Dean would have had Snodgrass in his pocket. I think pocket. Bernard's it's role just... has changed as well slightly, hasn't it? Yeah, especially under so, Yeah, it has. And obviously, in the Newcastle game, he was coming in field and was yeah. certainly more effective, wasn't yeah. he, around that number 10 type yeah. role. But I think yeah. that, that helps Dean as well. And, I mean, against Newcastle, uh, Bernard, I think that's Bernard really it has to be I've seen a lot of arguments about you know starting in, starting in a central position but unless you set up maybe with a fat three at the back and you can have like him as then a you know split striker or something yeah. like that I don't think that works because I think he's a player who he needs to come in and with that space and drifting off drag the full back in yeah. and then that gets Dini up the pitch well as you play as a number 10 you're there you're being picked up exactly. straight away yeah exactly and obviously because we're playing a 4-4-2 anyway the two strikers Obviously, in the Newcastle game, there was three centre-backs, but um, you know the two strikers occupying their centre-backs, so they can't come out and press, and then the full-backs coming in, so then that gives Dean the space to run up. So I think that's definitely, from what we've seen so far, a bit of a template that Ancelotti's working on with the with the full-backs. I think that has been an issue, hasn't it, as well, Paul, for him. You know, if you look at this season, who's played on, on that left-hand side, you've got mm-hmm. Richarlison, who's played there for a bit, Awobi's played there for a bit, Bernard's been in and out the team, and... I think you know. I think the point Patrick made there about you know Dean's not a, a dynamic fullback. You never really see him running in behind and like you know, Jordi Alba style. It is technical. It is link play. And when you've not got that regular presence in front of you, and certainly people in Richarlison and in you know, who I wouldn't describe as link players, it is probably difficult to get forward with that same conviction, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And uh, just back up what Patrick and, uh, and Mickey have said there. I mean, Dean's first season, Mickey said well, he was outstanding. He, he was arguably our best player that season. He slotted into the side seamlessly. Uh, but I think, as you mentioned, Patrick, and you mentioned there, Matt, that the lack of a regular partner, I think, has worked against him in terms of his position this season. And I think Patrick mentioned his lack of pace. I'm going to be more concerned by the fact, not so much his pace going forward, it's his pace getting back. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you indicate the West Ham game, when Snodgrass has beaten you for pace, that's a worry. And there's been a number of times this season when a, what I would term an average right side of uh, attacker has got the better of Dina pace-wise and that's a worry. I'd even go as far as to say that Baines is probably quicker at getting back and covering at the moment than what Dina is. Mm. Now, whether that's linked to the injury he's had, I'm not quite sure. Um, the most frustrating aspect for me this season with Dina has been set-piece delivery. The number of corners where he's failed to beat the first yeah. man when he'd been in a good position has been mm. hugely frustrating. And his delivery from free is there kicks... Has there been an Everton corner-taker in history? It's not, <laughs> not, not that ailment, though, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, Gilkopi used to be brilliant after yeah. we've broken him. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. You, then, you, you, you come to, to Goodles and you lose that skill also. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, the way like it goes. Cliff was the last one. Unfortunately, I remember Andy was the master of that, wasn't he? And sometimes you know, if, if I've got a few spare minutes, troll through Toffee Web to see what comments people are making there. And one, uh, what well, one writer made the observation, which I hadn't thought about. The said, if you watch Dina in a game, um, when Holgate gets the ball. Holgate's first move is to play to the right side of defence, not the left yeah. side of defence. And so that way, Dina is not quite as involved as what he was mm. last season. And I, I kind of watched the last home game with with that in mind. And I, I'd say it was about 70-30. Holgate chose the right side over the left side. Whether that's a fact or not, I don't know. No, I don't, and I'm just building on that. It's, it is a is what Holgate does this I'd be really impressed with Holgate but he definitely comes out and he does this chop he yeah. kind of ch- he yeah. Yeah. fakes yeah. to go left Dinia presses well, and then he, and goes, he goes right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. when Holgate does that and it's a quick switch of play to Sidibe or to Walcott <laughs> in what in recently I think that's fine um, I would like to see us yeah use use Dinia more but then then it also builds you know it links into the midfield the midfielders then got to come over and make mm-hmm. sure that Dinia's got someone to feed off especially if Bernard has drifted inside and then that, that space is crowded so it's all a team thing. I, like I said, I, my main concern has been the, the defensively, yeah, really, yeah. rather than going forward, because I think 
we all know what he can offer going And that's forward. his main job, isn't he? Yeah. He's a defender. It's, Although, it's great I mean, if he can get forward. I but... don't think I've seen an Everton fullback that has ever managed to block a cross. Like, <laughs> and I've Count Baines, who was the best fullback in Europe six years, seven years ago. Never blocked cross. Yeah. Hibbert, Hibbert maybe did. Yeah. <laughs> that's what going back a far That's because yeah. Hibbert never moved. He was always no. in position, wasn't he? Just going off what Patrick said there, Patrick. So, obviously, you mentioned Baines' age and stuff like that, yeah. being impaired 30, so that. Would you not offer him another 12 months? No, I think it depends. I, I think this has been a problem with... Everton in general and and especially sentiment young players, to young players yeah. in the last not not necessarily sentiment, just in terms of how we're running the club under both Walsh and Brands, and I'm sure Brands is getting there with it. But we 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 don't seem to have succession plans with a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. Now, to me, I, I understand that we let um, Robinson go, and I, I don't disagree with that necessarily. But if we're going to have to keep Baines, unless we've really got a plan to go and get a young fullback. From, from wherever that is, a young left back, and think and say to him, "You are going to be Dinier's successor, kind of in the long term." But he also needs to be ready to step in if there's any injuries like yeah. that. Um, it's the fact that what I don't like about maybe keeping Baines is I'm, I'd be happy to do it, but should we really be in where we want to be? Should we be in the position that we think, well, the best option is to keep hold of Blayton Baines for another yeah. year? Um, shouldn't we have a plan? We should have been planning this three or four years ago. Now. Obviously, now the club is working from the mistakes in the past, and and hopefully in two years, you know we we do see that succession plan coming through. Um, you know, unless Luke Garbutt gets another contract. Is Luke Garbutt still on loan? Has he gone to I think he's still on loan. Yeah. Technically, yeah. I think, I think but, uh, it's between him and Kieran Dahl who's had the most loan spells yeah. oh, this season. You know, it's a close competition. Is Kevin Conley still on loan? Is he? I think he's left now. Has he definitely? Because he was a full-back option at one time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he went to Wigan as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Onto the other side then, just sort of ask you all a quick question before we preview Watford um, Paul uh, you know four options really who's going to be Everton starting right back next season John Joe Kenny Jim Brusadibi Seamus Coleman or a new signing if I was put on the spot I'd say I'd, I'd, I'd love to see John Joe, John Joe Kenny back I, I'd be John Joe Kenny uh, I think this season w- would have improved him considerably as a player Um I mean, Sadibi and Coleman, between them, they're the perfect fullback, but they both got faults that, that work against them. Sadibi's great going forward, but can't defend. Coleman is great defending, but can't cross the ball. So I think neither of those two is the long term solution next season. I'd be happy with John Joe Kenny. I'd also be happy with a statement signing, a good fullback who Ancelotti maybe knows from his, from his time in Italy, who would come in that solidity to that uh, back four. Yeah, along the same lines, to be honest, I think. I like Sadibi, but I think would be a great like there were rumours the agreed deal would be twelve to fifteen million. Yeah. I think for Monaco. I know it's not a lot of money in this market, but um, for the listening audience, I did quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. right um, but um, you know, we um, I, I just think we we need to be aiming for better. Sadibi, I un, I actually think against Newcastle he played really well. He had his best game in a while. Um, defensively, I think we just accept that he's just not a defensive-minded fullback. Um, in term, and sometimes he just completely switches off. But I think the main time that that's happened is when we've played him as a right midfielder, and he seems to forget then that he's still got to defend. Yeah. Um, I just think that for fifteen million, is that fifteen million better spent on going and getting? It doesn't even matter their age, really. A real quality right-back. And then, as I was talking about a succession plan on the other side, if John Joe Kenny is the long-term, do we then bring him back to be that backup and say to Seamus, well, OK, Seamus, your role now is you are that experienced head in the dressing room and you're going to come in every so often as you have the third-choice right-back but obviously the injuries we get, he'd probably end up being first choice soon enough. Or, you know, he's that kind of player just to be there. And then you can maybe look at moving on another player like Baines, for example. Um, because, I mean, yeah, Kenny's the, a year in the Bundesliga will have done really good. So I don't want to thin him off. Yeah, And I think Marcel Brand said that the the general meeting in, in his, his notes, Mickey, that they've got every intention of, of bringing Kenny back in and being a, a challenging for the first team place next season absolutely and to be honest I'd leave him where he is I'd give him another year mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. I would I still think he's still young enough uh, and go and get him to, to sort of just to to, to get more experience of first team football I wouldn't like to bring him back and then put him back on the bench or back in yeah. the reserve because yeah. that's going to stop yeah, his, agree, his yeah. progression as a player uh, I'm going to disagree with both the boys I'm going, <laughs> I'd, I'd take Sadibi back at, at that <laughs> price at 15 million if that's what it is I think he's a snip in this day and age because if we go out and make that like, marquee signing you're going to look at you're probably looking at 30, 40 million quid and yeah. there's no guarantee that he's going to be a success mm. I think what we know about Sadibi we know what he's good at 
And I think we should utilise that. Yeah. Is going forward, I think he'd work certainly at a three in the back, which I think yeah. which could be the way which Everton are going to go in the future under yeah. Ancelotti. Um, I'd, I'd just keep, at that price, I'd keep him and Coleman. And I know what we're saying is that I want better as well. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Well, I think it's going to be a progression thing. I, th- I think that would depend on Kenny if the plan is then to bring him back next season. Yeah. I kind of would be happy to bring to have Sadibi. Um, I think, and then you do have Kenny as that, you know, to come through and be the first choice. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think as well, Sadibi. I wouldn't be unhappy, but I'd be looking at the length of contract. I wouldn't yeah. want to give, us to give a four or five year contract no. to the guy. You know, give, give him two. I was just going to say, yeah, twenty eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. give, give, give him two years. I mean, Coleman's thirty now, isn't he? Thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah. So you got Coleman, Baines, both in the thirties. Sadibi getting close to thirty. I mean, John Joe Kenny just has to be the long term answer. And uh, I was thinking a few a while ago. In, in Coleman's, first, Coleman's first season uh, in, as manager for Everson, and one game he won at home. At the end of the game, Calvert-Lewin, Tom Davies and John Joe Kenny came over to the Gladys Street and clapped the fans. And I was urban something, that's the future of Everson, Calvert-Lewin, Davies and John Joe Kenny, and it never quite worked out for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, well, one of them it has, yes. <laughs> Calvert-Lewin. Um, so this takes us nicely on, onto the waff for the game, uh, final five minutes of the show. Um I think, you know, just talking about the team selection, I think that the biggest dilemma, Mickey, that the Carlo Angelotti's got, and probably the, you know, it's a good dilemma in terms of the setting up the team is does he play Keane, Richarlison, and Calvert Lewin, or does one of them miss out? Well, this is it. You know what you're going to get with Wofford now, I think, under Pearson. Yeah. He's rejuvenated mm-hmm. them. You know yeah. they're going to put a shift in more than anything. So well, those grounds is... are never fancy, as well. No, Bickham drove for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, you know, We've we'd never tank. won this since they came back up. Yeah, lost yeah. our last three league games. Yeah, yeah. Like. I mean, they're like Bournemouth <laughs> and Brighton, these Southern teams to come up with Kirsten ever to win there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So just play all the strikers there. I mean, there's a little bit of niggle as well between the teams. Obviously, the Marco Silva thing, the Richarlison situation, and that's what they don't. Like us, we don't like them because obviously they've robbed Zed cars off us yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. They don't play so, that anymore, do they? Oh, got, do they not? They've got an Elton song yeah. which they oh, all right, sing along okay, to. All yeah. oh, right, oh good. Yeah, they've all got song sheets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, tough. It's going to be a tough game. Um, I'd go with tried and tested. You know, we were. You need to put away that last minute and a half against Newcastle. I'd go with that same team and go with the format. So That's you been have, working for. What about Richardson? Where does he come in? Oh, is, I don't wasn't too sure whether he's back again. Yeah. Got, oh well, he's got to come back. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think I think the great thing with Keane getting off the mark now is he's got that confidence. So I don't think it's an issue to, especially with Ancelotti. I, I think we've seen that he, you know, Ancelotti definitely rates him. Um, and I, I can't. I, I imagine that if Richarlison is fit to start, which I think he will be, you bring him in and you put him up front against Watford with Calvert Lewin. They're a big physical side. You need to get, and then you've got Keane to bring on, and he scored that goal, so he does, he'll be full of confidence anyway. And Ancelotti can say to him, "Look, you're going to be the man that changes the game if we need it." Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a problem with that. The, he looks fitter, doesn't he? He yeah. looks fitter. He, looks yeah. he does. Yeah. Yeah. Fitter. he does. Yeah. Yeah. And the, just quickly, the main issue for me with Watford will be how we'd handle their midfield because I mean, I, Pearson, what Pearson's done with Decore is moving forward into this more like a number ten role, and um, he's really kind of thrived under Pearson. But their midfield is massive: Shalabar, Capuan, Decore, and we always struggle against teams like that. And especially at the moment, we haven't got Gomez, so um, Ogabamin. So I think that'll be the main area of the pitch, really. Yeah, and I think as you said, Pat, I mean Pearson, and you mentioned as well, Mickey. Pearson's changed the midfield, and Watford hasn't. seen they're, they're very, you know, the very forceful midfield, and it creates lots, lots, lots of opportunities. They're very pacey as well, and the new signing from Ben is Jerry, it? Of it, course, yeah. It's, uh, he's he's out. He's, he's not injured, he's, yeah. he's is he? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the case of the former player, Dan Fares, <laughs> yeah. so that, that's quite good that he's not playing. But I agree. I think I think I think with Charleston has to play. You know, you, you have to play your top scorer in the game like that. And uh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm concerned. How the midfield is going to to pan out. I, I, I'm also very concerned about Troy Deeney. So I just think he unsettles defenses. He's not he's not the most skillful player, but he's going to give Mina and Holgate quite a tough game on Saturday. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what cover the midfield can provide there as well. But I mean, Decore, we were in, we were interested in him in the yeah, summer, weren't we? Yeah. So you know, maybe he'll have a point to prove there as well. And uh, Tom Cleverley, will he be featuring for Watford? Another oh, excellent player. I don't think he's been in favour. I see that. So, but I mean, the, the midfield as well, and it's. You know, Delph and Schneiderlin both had decent games up yeah. until you know that, that, yeah, that yeah. last minute against Newcastle. Obviously, it, it's a much different game, Mickey. But you'd imagine Sigurdsson to be back again. I think he was sort of touching go before before the break. Do you make any changes there, or do, or do you give those two? Sigurdsson's a concern because he's for me he's a bit of a luxury player, isn't he? And we're going to need to match yeah, them in yeah. midfield. That would be a concern, even having Schneiderlin and that we Schneiderlin and Delph are not going to get the space in midfield against Watford as we did against Newcastle. So as the boys just said there, I think midfield is is. I'd, to be fair, I'd throw Holgate in there mm. and try and match them. 
um, or, or just that is the battle that's where I think the game's going to be won and lost um, so yeah it's a tricky one be interesting to see what happens yeah I think um, I mean obviously I've said that like their midfield is so big and the, those players can get about but then a player like Bernard for us attacking is going to be really key Um you know, against West Ham in our last away game, he, he was poor. But if he can get in and away from home, he's not really doing yeah. that. Yeah, no, but if yeah. he can just, if we can get him into those pockets of space and get those, you know, one of those, you know, if we can get Shalabran Kapua on a yellow card each just from yeah. bringing him down, yeah. then we suddenly have that ability to bring on a player like Keane or, or Gordon even, and um, or get Richarlison running. And I think that I think we just don't need to mess with the format by kind of you know too much get Rich Allison back up front don't put him on the left where then mm-hmm. it, like we've said it, it kind of negates Dean as much getting forward and see what we can do there I think because I, I just I, I can see Watford scoring I don't think we've got the midfield or the defence to hold them out so I think it is going to be a case of we do need to score more goals than that I'm interested so, on the mentality you know because yeah. I think that Newcastle yeah. game is going to stay with us yeah. for a yeah. while because they were so bad and offered absolutely nothing yeah. and to come away with a point it stung didn't it, it and did, I think it's yeah. going to sting yeah. for a while well, yeah. I'd be interested on the mentality I, I, I want us to win by loads of goals but what <laughs> What would do them the world of good is being yeah. one nil up yeah. with five minutes to go and just seeing it out yeah. against yeah. Troy Deeney yeah. and whoever they can chuck on. And... I mean, ideally, I'd love it to be nil nil until ninety minutes. Those just need two goals in injury time <laughs> just to prove a point. Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned a really good thing there, Patrick, about um, Watford's disciplinary record. I think since Pearson's taken over, they've had four sending offs in five Premier League yeah. games. Oh. So, so that's something we really need to work on because yeah. if we can get their players rattled, because he's obviously got them fired up, so maybe not totally thinking straight all the time. If we can get a man advancing in that game then we have, you know, we, have, we have to play to that I mean we know Richarlison will be down holding his ankle in the first yeah. 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 So hopefully yeah. he's been kicked yeah. by someone and yeah. then, uh, that'll yeah. be a booking we need the narky toffee just uh, got to finish now uh, score predictions Mickey as you said there mate 1-0 do make me down to the ground 1-0 <laughs> I'm going to say 2-2 uh, I can't see us winning this one unfortunately fair draw in a row yeah I think so I was hoping for a win, obviously. Yeah. But. Yeah. I was given a bit more confidence by the fact that Aston Villa beat Watford uh, last week. Yeah. So there's a lot more pressure on Watford than, than there's on us for this game. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Everson victory with Richarlison getting the winner. If Chamey can beat them. If Chamey can beat them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <that's>, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, thanks very much to the lads. Thanks very much to Professor Brady for coming on as well. That's been the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with the Carnival Bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.